Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Brett Ridgeway, who is a 25-year veteran of the speaking industry and the author of eight books all about the expert space. Brett, how you doing? I'm doing great today, Timmy. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. And can you elaborate on the expert space for us real quick? Sure. So what I mean by that is anybody who's an author or a speaker or what we would call an information marketer, you know, they have a course or a home study program or something like that, where they're sharing knowledge about how to do some specific thing. It could be a what we call a hard topic, like how to make money in real estate or on the internet. It could be about how to publish a book. It could be about soft topics like relationships and things like that. But anybody who has information that they're sharing in some format falls under what we would call the expert space. Mm, there we go. I gotcha. Well, thanks for that little explanation of the expert space. I feel like a lot of businesses nowadays fall into that. Well, you know, it's really funny because even local business people, you know, you think about your chiropractor or your attorney or whatever, you know, if they want to truly succeed at their business, then they should become recognized as an expert in the local area. Yeah. So even the local businessman who's not a full-time speaker, you know, probably should write a book and and put some information out there to educate the local audience about their area of expertise so that when a person has that particular need for a, a chiropractor or an attorney or whatever, they become the logical choice because they're who people have heard of. They're the recognized expert in that local area. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I agree, especially with, you know, how how prevalent content is nowadays. Like when you put mm-hmm. out that content that shows you the expert, it's like, it's just key to business. Exactly. Well, awesome, Brett, we like to jump right in. And I think we got a good start there. If you could tell us a little bit more about what you like to do for fun and just yourself in general, that'd be great. Oh, what I like to do for fun. Well, honestly, Timmy, I'm, I'm old enough to be retired, but I'm, you know, the thought of getting up every morning and thinking about, all right, what the hell am I going to do today? Sounds so unappealing to me. It's like, hell no, I'm not going to retire. So <laughs> I'm at, I'm actually doing a new business venture now. I founded a company years ago that's a fulfillment company called Speaker Fulfillment Services that provides product duplication and fulfillment services for those experts, the speakers, the authors, the info marketer. But I've formally decided to part ways with them recently and, and actually launch out and brand, brand Brett Ridgeway as a brand for the first time myself. So even though I did a fair amount of speaking over the years, it was always on behalf of the company mm-hmm. and it was always a share content and hopefully some people will need the service of the company or whatever. But now I, I'm focusing on what I can do, honestly, to help speakers who have a important message they want to share with the world, but they just don't really have a freaking clue how the speaking industry really works. And so my, my current mission right now is to help aspiring speakers really build a speaking business in the right way and not make some of the same mistakes that I've seen other people make from my 25 years behind the scenes, both managing the backroom sales table at various conferences, as well as handling the product fulfillment for some of the biggest names in the industry. So 
you know, for fun, and this is a whole new adventure for me, honestly. It's like, all right, Brett, you gonna retire? Hell no. That's right. All right, what can the, what can the next great adventure be? And that's building this Brett Ridgeway brand. So that that's what my focus is on now. And I'm doing a lot of what we're doing here today, Timmy, talking to people and, and sharing some content and, you know, getting the word out, so to speak. There we go. I love it. So what are some of the common pitfalls that speakers fall into when they first get into the industry? Well, I think it's very important that a free speaker, first of all, needs to decide what kind of speaker they want to be. And here's what I mean. In my mind, there are, are three primary types of speakers. One is what we call the keynote speaker, who's a person who paid the fee to come and speak to a corporation or an association. And, you know, their fee might be 5000 10000 50000 whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So they come in, deliver their talk, and, and then they're gone. The second type of speaker in my mind is what we call a platform seller. So there's a lot of internet and information marketing type conferences, for example. They'll have multiple speakers over the course of three to four days. And at the end of their content session, the, the speaker will make some kind of pitch or sell from the platform a back-end product or service. Could be a training program, could be a mastermind, whatever. doesn't really matter. And then the third type of speaker we kind of alluded to already, and that is the, the local business person who's just using speaking as a business-building tool. So it's not their core business. They don't really consider themselves a professional speaker, but they do use speaking as, as a marketing tool for, for helping make people aware of whatever that core business is. So the first question you've got to decide is what kind of speaker do I want to be? Is it just going to be an ancillary thing to my business? And if so, you know, who can I speak to? Rotary groups, you know, exchange clubs, whatever it may be, to make people aware of what I do. If you're more interested in becoming what we would call a, a professional speaker, well, that is your business, then you got to decide keynoter or pa- platform seller, or a lot of people are able to marry the best of both worlds together and, and do the both, certainly. But you got to decide where you fit in, and then what is your signature talk going to be? You know, no doubt along the way, as a business owner, if you want to become a speaker, or, or anybody that wants to become a speaker, you could be an energy healer or a wellness coach or whatever. But if you have a message you want to get out there, you've got to decide, all right, what is my signature speech going to be about? And then I think you should obviously tweak that based on the audience you're talking to. But I mean, number, number one is what kind of speaker do you want to be? And number two, what do I want my signature talk to be based around? And then if you're going to be a platform seller, honestly, figure out what the back end products and services are going to be. I mean, one of the things that I see, for example, authors make a big mistake on Timmy is they, they're so anxious to get their book done and so excited that they got it done. They just want to get it out there, not realizing that the book actually is more of a marketing tool, especially you know, any kind of nonfiction book, you know, business type book. It's more of a marketing tool than something they're going to make a money on in itself. So what are you going to drive people people to from that book, whether it's that coaching program or mastermind or whatever, because the book, you know, the, the, the New York Times bestseller is a business book are few and far between. And unless you're a, you know, a, a Joe Polish or a Tony Robbins or some massive name out there, you know, your chance of hitting New York Times bestseller are about, you know, about like this. Yep. So you got to recognize the book for what it is. It's a marketing tool designed to people get people into your world and it's your job to take them from that book to whatever else it is that you have to offer. But so many people are just excited about getting that book done. They want to get it out there, not not before they've even put the back end in place. And, and, and I mean, it kills me. There's been some big names, honestly. There was a book a few years ago. What was the name of it? The, the, um, 
something sales machine or whatever. I think it was by a guy named Chet Holmes. And they had a lot of what we call bounce back offers in the book. That's, you know, calls to action for people to come out of the book and go to a website or whatever to get more information. And half of the half of the links in, that they featured in the book didn't work. Oof. You know, you're launching a massive book, you're selling thousands of copies, and then you don't have the back end play and in place to truly capture all that you could have captured in terms of you know new subscribers, people who are willing to buy other products and services from you, et cetera. I mean, both speaking and authorship have a lot of pitfalls that you got to watch for, and there's some some common mistakes certainly that people make. And, and uh, I could tell you some real war stories if you want on both sides of the coin. So <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. That's a good picture of some of the common pitfalls. I mean, there's just like a lot of people say, like when an entrepreneur becomes successful, that they're lucky, right? And I heard this definition of luck is like preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. So you know, the, the overnight success you've been at at 10 years, right? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And so some people finally bump into the opportunity. They're not prepared. Like half their links don't work in their book and then they don't make sales. And they're like, I wasn't very lucky. Well, no, you weren't prepared. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's a, a good point for common pitfalls of people emerging in the speaking space. Bring it back to you. Just curious. What's your motivation, man? What gets you up and keeps you going every day? You know, you know, the, the excitement of a new venture is one of the things, certainly. But, you know, as I said, the mission is to help aspiring authors because, you know, it really distresses me. I've been to, you know, I managed the back of about 150 different events over the course of a 15 year period. So I've probably seen 2000 different speakers in person. And when I see a, a new speaker make a mistake that, you know, a, a little bit of education would have prevented it. It just, you know, it stresses me out. It's like. You know, this is something that you shouldn't have done. I mean, I've seen speakers make mistakes, honestly, that cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I don't want to see other people make the same mistakes. So, you know, it's about sharing what I've learned along the way, honestly, and, and helping some people out get off on the right foot as they look to build that speaking business. I mean, I, still, I got to tell you a story, Timmy. So I was at an event a few years ago, managing the back of the room, and this speaker had happened what every platform selling speaker dreams of the true table rush where people are flocked to the back of the room, throwing out their credit cards and signing up for the product that was being offered. But I also saw this same speaker about a month later, have to refund every penny of $375,000 worth of sales to the audience because the product that he had sold at that event was some type of software product on, you know, the latest internet website creator or whatever it was, but something to that effect. And as it turned out, there was some kind of a bug in the product that they could never figure out. So it never really worked. So every penny of $375,000 had to be returned. Yeah. I mean, it was a massive egg on the face of the speaker. It, it was a massive hit on the pocketbook for both the event promoter and the speaker. Yep. And, and it didn't help my pocketbook out either because we take a portion of the promoter's money for managing the back of the room. But it was one of those things where, in my opinion, never, ever sell a product on the stage if it's not yet fully developed, unless it's a course that you're going to be teaching live, you know, where people where you'll be creating the content as you go. But if it's a software product or something, you're just running onto thin ice when you do that. Did another event a few years ago where the speaker sold some, it wasn't to the $375,000 tune, but it was still a few thousand dollars. And 
you know, they say, oh, this would be done in a week or whatever. Well, obviously, you know, one week ends up taking two and then two ends up taking four. And again, every penny had to be refunded and massive embarrassment for the speaker. So, you know, if you're a speaker and you're going to be selling from the platform, my advice is don't sell something that isn't done unless yeah. it's going to be something you're creating live. I mean, not many of us can afford a $375,000 refund, honestly. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think that is very, very important to like just note when it comes to, you know, speaking, selling. I feel like there's a big movement in the entrepreneurial space that talks about selling things before they're done. And unless it's going to be that thing that you're making live, like even a product, like selling a product before you know how to make the product. It's funny. I was actually talking with my friends about this the other day of like selling chicken coops. They were like, this is a good business idea. We could just go sell some chicken coops. And then I, I even said, I was like, you can sell them before they're done, but it's like, Got to make sure we know how to make them. Got to make sure we yeah. have a product and we can make the chicken coop. Otherwise, we're going to be refunding that $2,000, $3,000, whatever we sell that person. And so it's just funny. Like you can jump there as an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs are very like go after it. But then you can find yourself in some fire if you can't fulfill. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario, obviously, because there are a lot of people, as you say, that a spouse, you know, sell, see if you can sell it first and then develop it if you can sell it. Mm-hmm. But you got to be really, real careful about managing customer ex- expectations in that situation. And you got to have contingency plans. I mean, I think it's fine to take that approach, but you you know, you better be damn sure you can do it honestly. And and yeah. you can't be you can't be too long getting it done or people are gonna bail out on you. So exactly. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a juggling act sometimes and you gotta be stepped carefully without a doubt. For sure. For sure. Well, awesome. Let's jump into your dreams and goals. Now, recently started a new venture making Brett Ridgeway a brand. And the goal is to help people who are emerging into the speaking space and authors who are emerging into the speaking space. What is your vision for the brand and the people you want to impact? Oh, great question. Um, you know, the focus of it will initially to me be an eight week masterclass that I'm putting together that covers all the aspects of the speaking business. You know, I did a little bit of research ahead of time. And, you know, there's a lot of information out there about how to craft a speech and be more effective on the platform. And there's a fair amount of information out there about getting gigs. And getting gigs is certainly very important. But I I didn't really see a whole lot on the whole aspect of building a speaking business. And with, with some of the things that I've seen along the way, I mean, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of the industry, honestly. You know, I touched on that one mistake, but I could probably name it, you know, a half a dozen others without blinking that, you know, were significant mistakes that people make. And so, you know, my vision for the brand is to, you know, there's a financial vision, certainly, um, you know, how quickly I want to grow the organization. But it's honestly about helping many, as many people as I can. I mean, like I said, I'm old enough to retire. And I don't, you know, I don't need the money, but the, the, the fact that you can help people and share some of what you've learned along the way it's kind of the legacy and it's a, it's a, it's a legacy adventure as much as anything at this point in time for me. I love it. I love it. So helping as many people with that eight week masterclass as you can, and then building a legacy around the brand that is Brett Ridgeway. There we go. There we go. Well, what are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to make this dream life come true? Hmm. Well, you know, I tackled one of the one of them yesterday. I did my first Facebook live. <laughs> there we go. 
So, you know, one of the things I, you know, I certainly need to improve upon is, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable now speaking in front of a crowd. I, you know, I was a massive introvert when I was, you know, younger and younger in business and all that. And I, I, you know, I honestly, I was happy to be the back of the room guy. It was kind of my stick or whatever, you know, the behind the scenes guy getting things done, but nobody really knows who he is or whatever. But, you know, eventually I learned that, you know, I did have information that was worth sharing. And so I did get up on the stage myself a few years ago and, and start, you know, selling or sharing content from the platform. But I've always, Timmy, been a, a content provider. So obviously any speaker needs to be a content deliverer. But I would typically speak at multi-speaker events in the in the in the book publishing space or in the internet marketing space. And most of these were events where there was, you know, maybe 15 speakers over the course of three or four days. And most all of the speakers would be selling from the platform. They'd be your platform selling type speaker. Well, I was brought in by the event promoter to provide content only sessions so that there, there would be a break for the audience from the pitches or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now I realize that I do need to transition over and become more effective at becoming a platform seller if I want to truly build the brand and help as many people as possible. So, you know, I'm actually doing a training with the guy it's later this week or next week on, you know, improving their platform selling skills, because I think that's something I def- definitely need to get stronger at. I mean, you you never got to stop learning in any business you're in. And if, if you go in the mindset that I, I know it all and I don't have anything else to learn, well, you're, I mean, you're a, you're a fool is what you are. I mean, so, I mean, I, I've been in the business for 25 years in the speaking industry. And actually, because of the people I know, because I got started a, you know, a long time ago, and I know most of the big names in the internet and info marketing spaces, and they know me, and many of them are close personal friends. And I literally have access to pretty much training on any subject I want for no cost if I if I want. But I'm actually paying a guy right now to go through his master class and, and consulting and coaching over the next year, several thousand dollars, because I'm a firm believer in you have a lot more. If you have skin in the game, then you have a lot more motivation and drive to truly master the things that you need to master and apply them to your business, where like I said, I could go out and get all the free training that I wanted, but I don't have any skin in the game. And so it's worth it to me to invest in somebody to help drive me along the path that I need to go along to get where I want to go. So, I mean, never stop learning. One of the biggest mistakes people make, honestly, is if they want to get somewhere, they don't think about hiring a mentor or coach to get them there. I mean, the School of Hard Knocks is a hard way to go. And honestly, in the end, you'll probably spend more money trying to do it all yourself. But if you paid somebody who'd been down that path before to show you the ropes and get you headed in the right direction sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Mentorship is key. And finding a good one who's done it, who's navigated the trials and tribulations and can tell you where not to step and where to step will cut the learning curve a lot. Yeah, your success in business, whether it's as a speaker or an author or or whatever, is in large part, how do I want to say this? Your success is as much about what you do, but also even maybe more importantly, what you don't do if yep. you want to succeed. So, Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. That is a really good point. What are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards your dreams and goals? 
one of the things that I'm focusing on largely these days is networking as much as possible. There's a lot of great networking out events out there for aspiring speakers where they match guests and speakers up. Podmatch, I think, is how we came to into each other's world. Yep. If you're looking to be a podcast guest, definitely get on Podmatch. It's well worth it. Uh, but you know, there's a group called Speakers Playhouse that does a weekly networking event where people can pitch stages that they have that they're looking for guests for, as well as if they wish to be a guest, what their topic is so that they can match guests and host up similar to Paul match, but it's done in a live environment. And there's, there's three or four or five others like that where you can get on and meet as many people as possible. And, and you got to be seen out there. I'm, I'm a big believer in being seen, even if you're not a speaker at an event. So if a virtual summit is going on, attend the event not only to learn but also for the networking that it involves and for being seen there you got to be seen i mean so much of success in business is also honestly about relationships the people that know you and the people that you know and you've got to approach it from a what can i do for them standpoint versus what can they do for you i mean you got to be giving and, and caring and want to share and it'll come back to you tenfold but if you go with the mindset of Hmm, what could Timmy do for me today? Then you're going to fail and people will see right through you. Yeah. So relationships are critical. I mean, I drove a couple of books to number one on Amazon because of relationships. People I had known for years who I never asked anything of were more than happy to help me promote a book launch to help that book succeed and become a bestseller. So relationships are critical. You got to nurture those relationships and you just got to keep meeting people. You just never know who you're going to meet at a networking event and what it will lead to. I mean, so many of my podcast guests, as well as podcasts I've been guest on, have come through people I've crossed paths at on a networking event. So, yeah, most of it's virtual these days. That's great. Find out what is involved in your area, in your niche or whatever, in terms of networking and get involved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The approach of adding value can be difficult for some people, though, because they don't feel like they have value to add. So what would you say to that person who wants to add value and doesn't know necessarily where to start to add value to somebody's life? Yeah, well, the, the imposter syndrome is a real thing that a lot of aspiring speakers have, and you got to get over it. I mean, it's like if you're thinking, why am I worthy to be up here and talking to these people and all that? Well, you know, get over it. The fact is you probably know 90 or 95% more than most of the people in the audience. And you're there to share what you've learned and to give them knowledge that will help them along their path. I mean, I have a, I have a brother who's a college professor. He's always kids. You just got to stay one day ahead of the students, so to speak, or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, again, the bottom, the bottom line is you know more than most of the people there. And you're sharing what you know that will help them out. And you got to recognize your value. I mean, one of the things that, a lot of speakers and information marketers really tend to do is undervalue what it is they bring to the table. So they'll come to an event and they'll offer a, you know, a $47 product or a $97 product when they should in fact be selling higher ticket items that are priced at hundreds or even thousands of dollars. Because if somebody truly wants to shorten the learning curve and you have knowledge that will help them along the way, well, you should be more fairly compensated for what knowledge you're bringing to them to help them their, shorten their learning curve. I mean, not to mention the fact that in the platform selling world, Timmy, the typical split between promoter and speaker is 50-50. So if you're selling a $47 product, 
you know, you're not going to get very far making $23.50 per sale at an event. You got to sell a hell of a lot of books or, or low ticket items to, you know, really generate any revenue at all. So promoters are looking for higher ticket items and you as a speaker need to recognize your worth and not undervalue what it is that you're bringing to the table. Mm, I got you. Recognize your worth. You can always, not only can you always learn from people, but there's probably always something you can teach a person. So just tap into that value. Love it. Yeah. What character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? Hmm. Persistence, but persistence in a metered way where you still look forward to coming into the office each day and doing the things that you enjoy doing that will help you build your business. Uh, so you can't get burned out. I mean, and you can't, one of the big things I'm tackling right now, honestly, is, you know, trying to book too much on my calendar and trying to attend too many networking events where they overlap and you just can't do them more. You got to pick and choose your battles. Yeah. So persistence, but in a, a metered way is, is one of the challenges that I face myself right now. And, you know, I have, I haven't hit that breaking point. Well, yeah, but you know, you got to meter your time out and make sure that you're not overwhelming yourself. I mean, overwhelm is a real thing and got to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I think especially with those networking events and stuff, like you can fill your schedule with a bunch of stuff. And then when you start to be overworked, start to burn out, it can become less and less effective. And so you start going to the networking events and something you could have gotten out of it, you didn't because maybe you were too tired or you weren't there all the way or you weren't fully present. And so yep. I completely agree. Yeah. You definitely, definitely got to be tuned in and you need to be razor sharp in terms of, you know, when you get your turn on the microphone, what are you going to say? You know, people need to understand what your mission is and what you want to help people with. And it can't be recognized as a, you know, you're trying to sell something. It's got to be what's your mission and what you can, you help people with. And that'll open the doors for you. But Again, if you go in from the standpoint of what can they do for me and they'll, they'll recognize you as a sales pitch and you, you can't do that on these virtual you know networking events. You got to be truly from a, a servant servant standpoint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. If there were one or two people that you could meet right now and this could be a specific person or a type of person and they'd help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they do it? Well, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I mentioned I'm, I'm doing a coaching program right now over the course of the next year. And actually, I'm partnering with a gal to put together a mastermind program that will be the back-end product to the eight-week masterclass that, that's being put together. Mm -hmm. uh, so I almost signed up for another program at the same time because I figured that would help me fill in some blanks with the other one. But I said, whoa, 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 Brett, you know, you gotta, you gotta back off this and just focus on one right now not try to do go do two or three different coaching programs at the same time. Um, so who would I want to meet? Gosh. Uh, you know, I think, I think I'd like to meet Jack Canfield. I mean, I know a lot of the big names in the industry, and I've crossed paths with Jackson in a minute, but I'd like to really sit down and have a, a talk with Jack because, you know, he's had a level of success 
in terms of helping people that most people can only imagine. So I, I very much like to pick his brain about how him and Mark Victor Hansen built up the whole chicken soup for the soul series and gotcha. I, you know how he's helped so many people through his coaching programs. Another one, you know, you know, I've never done it, but I, I, I think I'd like to do a Tony Robbins event sometime. I mean, I, again, I've heard him speak at events and all that, but I've never been through one of his events. I mean, I, I've glass, I've walked on glass at other events and all that, but I've never walked on fire, man. So, uh, but again, just to you know, see his approach, get a, get to the lay of the land. I mean, again, you can never stop learning. I've got two or three classes I'm signed up for aside from the coaching program, but there are two or three day programs, but it's all about, you know, skill sharpening. Like I said, the platform selling ones. So, yeah, but those are a couple of names that come to mind of people I, I like to meet and, uh, you know, soak up some of their brilliance, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to attend a Tony Robbins event, heard him speak a couple of times. I really hope that, cause I heard he was going to stop doing events soon. I don't know how true that is. I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting. His his events, from what I'm told, are really grueling. Let's just say that. Really? I mean, yeah, like 12 hours, 14 hour days with very few breaks. I mean, you got you got to go in ready for an experience. Is what I'm told. That's epic. <laughs> that is epic, man. I I really want to go to one before he stops putting them out. <laughs> Even if he stops putting them out, I really hope they have his recorded versions because I would pay for that for sure. 100%. You know, I got to imagine there's something out there that's recorded in some way, but I don't, you know, he obviously has got a lot of books out there. I don't know if he has other products or not, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, now we're going to jump to our thriving three. And the first one of the three is what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Favorite podcast is my own spotlight on speaking. There we go. There we go. I'm, I'm, I'm biased. So, <laughs> uh, when you yeah, also, I, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, when you host that podcast, are you primarily bringing people on? Are you giving your tips and tricks? Uh, the format, it's about a 20-minute podcast, roughly, and I'm in interviewing people who have either been a keynote speaker or a platform seller or just use speaking as a business building tool like we talked about before, talking about their speaking journey, how they get into the business, what type of speaker do they consider themselves, what niche or niches do they play in, Ask them to share some of their three keys to success as a speaker because the target audience is aspiring speakers, people who want to get into it as maybe a second career. And then I ask them to bear their soul a little bit and, you know, share maybe a couple of mistakes they made along the way personally that they would advise others not to make. And then give them a chance to tell people how they can get into their world if they so choose. So that's that's the format. And it's launched, it's launching officially in about a week to 10 days. And you know, fortunately, I do know a lot of the big names in the speaking industry, so I've been able to record some heavy hitters already. And trying to get ahead of the game, as you know, the podcasting game, you got to stay ahead of to a certain extent. So, you know, I, I got about uh, 20 episodes recorded and another dozen scheduled to record. So, so far, I'm in pretty good shape. So I'm just waiting for my guy who's putting all the back end pieces in place on the syndication and the website and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, waiting for that to happen to, to officially launch the podcast, but been working on it hard for the last couple of months, honestly. So there we go. That is awesome. Yeah, I um, I know how much you have to stay ahead in the podcast game. I post this podcast daily and oh, my gosh, 
yeah. Daily? You're crazy, man. It's it's getting insane. And so when, <laughs> when I started the podcast, I had 90 episodes planned out. So I had three months of content good to go. And so I had some slack. <laughs> that but, three months went by pretty damn fast, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened was the my podcast bank slowly started to drain because I was still recording six episodes a week. But that one a week that wasn't recorded, it started yeah. to drain. And then you would have one or two people cancel because they forgot because they booked it two months ago and they didn't have to pay to come on the show. So they didn't have any skin in the game. And then you had like, um, I had to travel or I got sick and that yeah. 90 dwindled to 60, that 60 dwindled to 30. And now I'm sitting oh, here, man. I have like four days out. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm churning you're, out episodes. You're like, you're like that college professor staying one day ahead of his students, exactly. aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm trying to get to the point where um freeing up my schedule a little bit, recording more episodes to build that kind of slack back up. But man, yeah. it's been So have you ever considered have you ever considered recycling episodes? I'm just curious. I have considered it and I haven't yet, mainly because I just haven't had to, like I haven't missed a day yet. So I haven't had yeah. to go back and recycle an episode. But also I think I'll recycle episodes more when my audience grows significantly. And yeah. it will re-add value to those people. And maybe they'll want to come back on the show or whatever it may be. Also, I started the podcast for the sake of consistency. And so it means a lot to me that I keep consistently recording episodes because I yeah. wanted to build that character trait in myself. So, Well, it's funny. You know, I, I recorded a, an, an episode of mine for my show just before we got on so it's like all right you know from host mode to guest mode yep. sometimes it's like guest guest host guest on the same day and it's like <laughs> yep <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah i need to start guesting on some podcasts too but i'll tell you running a daily podcast you, there's not much time left in the day to... I, I can't even imagine doing that timmy that's that's just crazy in my mind i mean i remember <laughs> i used to run a uh weekly membership site in the author space and just coming up with a new guest every week to do his live you know our training was the biggest pain in the butt I'm trying to do something daily i think you're freaking nuts man <laughs> hey well hopefully it pays off and uh, <laughs> i'll see uh i'll see the other side of the i mean but i can i can certainly see on my show at some point in time you know re-releasing an episode hey this was a great episode if you didn't catch it when it released you know last year or whatever you know give it a listen to again type thing yeah yeah for sure yeah i, I could see some anniversary type episodes or something like that and i have a whole right, list to choose from so <laughs> so you said favorite podcast what were the other two things favorite movie movie or book but you're only supposed to pick one so podcast is good okay all right all right <laughs> Unless you want to talk about your favorite book and movie, you can go ahead and do it if you want to. Oh gosh, favorite movie, you know, Indiana Jones. There we go. <laughs> the first one, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. First movie I ever actually paid twice to see in the theater. Wow, that's a big deal. It's probably the only time I've actually ever paid twice to see the same movie in the theater. So yeah, yeah, that is a big deal. I don't think I've ever done that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, what is one way you like to take care of yourself? You know, my wife and I recently took a trip to Israel, which was kind of a, you know, her, her dream trip or whatever, going to the, you know, the Holy Land. Mm -hmm. And so I, I try to stay active with walking because I knew I was going to do a lot of walking on that trip. You know, it was miles and miles every day. 
I was actually a competitive runner through college. Now I'm going back mm. decades now, but you know, I, I competed in cross country and track. And so, you know, every once in a while I had these visions of I could get back in shape and run five Ks and all that, but you know, I run it for about three days and my legs go, mm, you ain't doing this, man. So, okay. you know, walking walking is about the extent of it now. So I gotcha. I gotcha. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it too? Either meet Jack Canfield or Tony Robbins. Uh, get get on their blogs, provide positive feedback or comments on their blogs so that you they start to notice you in some way. And then, you know, once they're they're aware of you and you're in their world, then you can look at taking the next step. But get involved in their world by contrib contributing worthwhile content to their audience via responding to their blog posts and commenting on them. There we go. Now we got our final series of questions and these can get a bit personal. So if you don't want oh, to, man, there's video, more. Oh gosh. There's a bit more. Yeah. Yep. You're, you're a slave driver, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to answer any of these, just be like, I'm a pass and we'll <laughs> nah. fire away, man. What is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life? If any, uh, talked about it already, you know, the, the imposter factor, you know, the, the you know am i am i worthy to get up in front of these people and share what i've learned along the way so gotta gotta overcome the, the imposter thing and if you were to change the imposter syndrome into an abundant phrase that really spoke to your heart what would that phrase be i am awesome and I do have valuable content to share, and I'm not serving people that need to be served if I don't get out there and deliver that message. Mm. There we go. There we go. I love it. I love the focus on not serving people who need to be served without sharing the message because it kind of puts a moral a moral factor in there of like, you can help these people and you're not, you know, so get up and get out there, you know, at least that's how I like to think about it when I'm getting all nervous to make a cold call or do whatever. Yeah, I have yeah. to do. All right. What's next? Bring it on, man. Bring it on. <laughs> oh, I got you. No, I got you. <laughs> when the limiting beliefs start to take over, what actions or thoughts do you resort to in order to take back control and move towards abundance? You know, I was never a woo person in my life, really, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. but I am just starting to do a lot more positive affirmations lately. And, uh, you know, recentering on what's important. And, you know, I, I actually did something the other day that didn't get the results I wanted, but it's like, all right, what can you learn from this lesson? And then what's the next logical step? You can't just sit there and beat yourself up over something that didn't work as well as you wanted it to work. So figure out what you can learn from it, apply those lessons, and then take that next step. You can't get all withdrawn and back off and, oh, I'm afraid to get out there now because that didn't work or whatever. You just got to learn from it and keep moving forward. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. All right. We got one last one for you. And I want to frame it. So Alex Hormozzi talked about the difference between manipulation and help being intent. And I think his point here is that you're influencing people in both situations, but manipulation is about getting somebody to do something you want them to do, while help is about seeking to understand what somebody else wants and then helping them get there. So we're going to focus this question on help, not manipulation. Okay. Now, there's a common saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I actually found out from Dr. Alan Leica, a guest on the show, that you can make a horse drink. You just have to salt its oats. Now, 
I want you to think of a person with a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change, and they hate their life. How do we, you and I, create an environment to salt their oats and help them change their life? Hmm. You know, to me, it comes largely back to the issue of storytelling and telling stories in a way that people can relate to and so they can see themselves in that type of story that themselves and that can open their minds now if somebody's totally closed mind honestly timmy i mean there's enough people out there who want and need help that you know i, I say don't bang your head against a brick wall for that one person who isn't open to accepting the help find the audience that is willing and looking for help and serve them it's not your job to convert it. it's your job to help people that want to be helped yeah Absolutely. Like if you sit there and you create the environment and then they run away, don't run after them. You made yep. the environment, help who you can help, who wants to be in that environment. Right. <laughs> um, love it. Well, Brett, that's all we got for you today. Oh man. I was looking for tougher questions. <laughs> <laughs> so you probably, you probably got three more interviews to record today to stay ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you're my third one today. I've been back to back to back for the past three hours. So <laughs> well, you did a great job of keeping your energy up. So kudos to you, man. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, Brett, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Have a great one, man. You too. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Brett had to say, make sure to check him out. All the links to do so will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys for watching the show. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.